Hi, this is Paul Hansen. You are listening to the second segment of the 14th edition of Boss Tone Radio. Today on the line, we've got the amazing Frank Gambale. And where we left off, he was talking about his special Frank Gambale tuning. So let's listen one more time to that example from Frank's Raison d'Etre album. This is from the song Bittersweet. Yeah, I really dug the sweep picking section, so I scooted the track up. Well, that was there. sweeping on the new tuning, which is interesting because yeah. it makes it, uh, your normal phrases come out differently, you know? Absolutely, yeah. Now, when I switched to the distortion there, that's the upper neck of the guitar, which is standard tuning. So you have a double neck guitar now, and the bottom one is the Frankenbali tuning? Yeah, and then the upper neck uh, has tuning so i switch between them you know it means i have to learn my tunes in two keys because one of them's off up a fourth but uh oh, it's not yeah. too much drama really i heard you travel with a boss micro br little portable handheld recorder yeah i love that little thing it's a wonderful little portable recording device you know and um i just really have it for recording uh, little ideas when i'm on the road you know yep. i love that it has the guitar stuff in there too so it has guitar sounds it's like having an effect unit as well as a recorder you know mm-hmm. all in one it's pretty cool drum machine tuner yeah everything. exactly <laughs> i mean it's, it's it's amazing and the thing weighs about an ounce fits in your so, pocket yeah oh yeah so uh yeah there's some some great products from boss there's no doubt about that uh-huh you know, very handy stuff and i'm sure it's uh if they sell well so frank you did an all acoustic album right right called natural high yeah, that's the most recent album, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's with uh, Atmara Ruiz on piano and uh, a guy called Alain Caron on bass. Uh, awesome bass player. Elaine lives in the Great White North of Canada. At least during the winter, it's the Great White North. That's right. He lives on the outskirts of Montreal. But uh, that record is all acoustic. He plays this uh, six-string, like an acoustic guitar, but a bass. Not, not an upright bass, although it sounds ah. like an upright bass. Six-string fretless. And I play acoustic guitar, where we really captured a wonderful spirit we've been touring to. Uh-huh. There's something about the acoustic instruments that people just gravitate to. Oh, and that's it's a vibe, you know? And on the record, I did a few tunes that were adaptations of standards. I, wanted, I wrote my own melodies to standard chord progressions. It's not a new idea, but it's uh, it's fun to take standards and reinvent them because the changes are fun to play on. I've so, got this tune called "We'll Remember December." December, yeah, that's based on a standard called "I'll Remember April." <laughs> 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 and, and funny t- title. If there's one on the album, 
which is based on the tune Have You Met Miss Jones, which is the, uh, huh. the standard, not called mine, Have You Met Tom Jones. <laughs> <laughs> well, this one I always remember because Elaine described a December when he was a kid when his house was covered up with snow. His dad had to dig a tunnel out of his house, and it, I don't know, it might have been December. But anyway, here's you and Elaine doing a unison line, and then you just shredding on acoustic. Here, here goes. <laughs> So, Frank, you don't mellow out when you play acoustic. Well, you know, I, you're just playing a lot of fast examples, that's all. I know. That gives people the wrong impression. You know, I, I like to mix it up, but when you do an excerpt, that's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> people need to be impressed for some reason. Yeah. Guitar is the only instrument where it seems to matter if anybody plays fast or not. <laughs> I don't know, it's a macho thing or something, I don't know. I love to play fast as much as anybody, but... That's not all. <laughs> By the way, just so folks know, you can download any of Frank's tunes. You can buy them right at your website. And that's what I did. I bought a ton of your music, and I was really digging listening to the acoustic stuff. And it is, it has momentary bursts of the traditional Frank, but it's also just very cool vibe. So I like to uh, make my music available on my website. Frankenbolly.com. So I have a lot of uh, mixes from my albums minus guitar, which are fun too, and, and the PDF files of the music. And, uh -huh. you know, I'm just trying to make the website really fun, keep them interested, you know. And, and people can learn how to play over changes with these tracks? Like that melody you just played from mm -hmm. that acoustic tune. All the charts from the, that acoustic album are available on my site. So you can learn a lot just from those those lines which we call the melody you know yeah uh it's almost like a written solo and uh, yeah. yeah there's a lot to be learned yeah certainly. you of course have used boss pedals all over the years yeah which chorus do you use a little blue one the light blue one the pale blue one the ch1 i, I used that for years and uh -huh. um i remember the first time i heard chorus i went ooh ah <laughs> <laughs> yeah really i couldn't play a chord with that one again <laughs> you oh know? yeah you gotta have chorus i mean how can you play a guitar without chorus these days Jeez. a good clean sound really uh requires some kind of chorus mm -hmm. and those little pedals are terrific they're you? just indestructible they just never break i know what Ever. you mean Ever break this? <laughs> the most dependable piece of equipment there is. You know, stuff breaks down over uh, after a while, but these never do. Yep. Just the casing is so amazing, mm -hmm. and 
the design is it's a standard really yeah i mean it's a standard for pedals so i heard you use an octave pedal the oc the new one is the oc3 yeah that's always good for mm-hmm. some beefy uh, lines you know especially uh when i want to emulate bass lines and stuff like that i love the sound of the octaves together it's Huge. Yeah. Sounds like a guitar and bass together playing unison lines, you know. So let's talk about the LA Music Academy in Pasadena. I heard you headed up that school? Well, I was involved there for 10 years, but I'm actually no longer there. It's funny when you get a situation where the students become the teachers or the, the schools are so paranoid about making it too hard for the students. Yeah. They keep dumbing it down so that the students get through easily. <laughs> if you go to <laughs> medical school, do you think they're going to make, you know, being a surgeon easy? Or would you like to be uh, operated on by someone who sort of learned surgery by ear? And that was one of the cool things about GIT back when we were there. It was yeah. really a challenge. But it should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anything great isn't going to come easy, and there's no instant gratification. That's the problem with a lot of folks these days is that there's no instant gratification when it comes to learning an instrument. You know, if you see a real good guitar player, they've been playing 15, 20 years minimum, and it's after about 15 or 20 years that you actually start to go, well, actually, it's starting to become my friend. <laughs> yeah. I remember seeing this video on the internet. It's Eric Clapton back in the 60s talking about vibrato. He says this sure takes a lot of practice. But yeah, just to be able to vibrato takes years. Well, yeah, there's a lot of subtleties. <laughs> Believe me, I know. I've been playing guitar 40-something years. and Yeah. You know, I wouldn't replace a thing. So every minute I put into it, I've earned, you know. And, mm-hmm. and being able to play the guitar in this way is an absolute treat. Yeah. And it's a very slow, gratifying process. But I wouldn't change a heartbeat, man. Right. I think that anything worthwhile is worth the time. There is no shortcut. And even though, Frank, I'm sure that you have a large dose of natural talent, but even with that, there's just countless hours of practice. Uh, I can't even imagine how many hours I put in. (laughs) There were some years where I practiced 12 hours a day for years on end. Me too. It was insane. I was obsessed. And it was sort of destiny. When you start guitar at seven, you know, you don't really have any idea what you're doing. You're just doing it because it's something you're drawn to. Yeah, I guess a certain amount of natural talent. I mean, you can have some people who practice 12 hours a day and don't learn anything. So it's really not a question of how many years you've had the the guitar or how many years you've owned a guitar, you know? Yeah. It's really more about, you know, what do you do in that time? What are you you actually learning? Let's go back to... You growing up in Australia, um, you started playing guitar when you were seven, you just said. Mm-hmm. So um, what kind of guitar was that? Well, I had some pretty cheesy guitars. In fact, <laughs> I was having to share it with two older brothers. It was the cheapest possible classical guitar. I think it was about a $10 guitar we started on. And we quickly <laughs> ended up getting a couple of copy copy mm-hmm. electrics but the biggest thrill was when i was 13 you know i was given a fender stratocaster l series for my birthday i was shocked <laughs> what is it l series so they did the l series early to mid 60s they have a little l before the number on the serial number oh. on the back, uh, plate behind the neck i bought a strat it might have been boy i don't know 72 
It was the cheapest Fender Strat you could get. It was sunburst. It had a rosewood fingerboard. Of course, I wanted a white one with a maple fingerboard and a whammy bar, but I got the <laughs> I got yeah. the sunburst one with a rosewood fingerboard, no whammy bar. Complete opposite. Very well done. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw Jimi Hendrix up there, the white Strat. And, right, of course. Oh, my gosh. I wanted to do that. Well, I got the same guitar as Hendrix, actually, pretty much. Oh, you did? Yeah. So That's why I was so shocked. Yeah, well, he actually had the bigger headstock ones later, uh-huh. but uh-huh. I, I preferred the smaller headstock ones, mm-hmm. the L-series. But it was uh-huh. the same color, uh, white. Yep. Beautiful guitar really inspired me to play better, you know. So, I think a good instrument is really essential to young to young players, you know. Yeah, you see guys with their action an inch off the fingerboard. And, and it hurts. Yeah, that's a quick and easy way to get them off the guitar and onto the piano. <laughs> just popped into my mind, what string gauge do you use? just use regular Deodario 10s. I was using 9s mm-hmm. for a great many years. When I did my first model for Yamaha, it had a slightly longer scale neck and the 9s just felt too light. And when I put 10s mm-hmm. on, it felt like the 9s used to feel. Mm-hmm. I don't like to fight my instrument at all, you know? Right. <laughs> my instrument can be my friend. It's hard enough to play it as it is, you know? So, being from Australia, how'd you end up in LA. My career in life could have gone two ways because at that time my decision was to come to LA based on the music I was listening to. I mean I was a huge Chick Corea fan already since I was like 13 uh-huh. and I had all those records and I was looking they're all recorded in Hollywood LA, Hollywood LA you know I said I'm going right. to go there you know but if I had gone to Sydney instead from my hometown, Sydney was a real active music capital then, too. In fact, I could have gone completely more in the pop direction. Who knows? You know, I may yeah. have ended up in a band like Men at Work or, uh, <laughs> or ACDC. Or <laughs> oh, yeah. Or, oh. I can imagine you at ACDC doing all the sweet-picking stuff over those, <laughs> those, <laughs> those great tunes. metal group, you know, could have yeah. been in, in excess or one of the thousands of Aussie groups that came over at that time. Oh, so many great, great Australians. Well. So, you know, who knows? Yeah. But I have no regrets. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm happy where I am, you know. Mm. Yeah, but amazing how a decision like that can really alter your path. I never thought I'd end up working with Chick Corea, who's my, mm-hmm. still my hero, you know. Right. It's been a wonderful ride. Any last stories that you have about, like, being in Australia, like, searching for crocs or wrestling big snakes? (laughs) You know, it's funny uh, how a lot of Americans... I blame Steve Irwin. (laughs) (laughs) Crocodile Dundee, those guys. And Crocodile Dundee, because Americans just think, oh, man... I have a, a musician friend of mine, a keyboard player, who uh, once toured with me in Australia, and he was paranoid about Australia. <laughs> he would quote all the statistics. He would go, Australia has nine out of ten of the most poisonous snakes. He <laughs> has nine out of ten of the most poisonous spiders in the world. And, you know, he rattled off all these incredible things. And I went, yeah, yeah, man, but I grew up there, and I never got bit by anything, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. we went to Australia, and, and we visited my hometown, And my brother has a 64-acre property now. You know, he's got kangaroos and kangaroos running through Uh it and everything. It's a beautiful property. And I said, let's go visit my brother. So we all piled in the car. Uh And, uh, you know, I've never seen a brown snake in my entire life, and it's probably the most poisonous snake in the world. Oh, my gosh. It's only about, you know, three or four feet long, but it's a deadly little snake. 
Oh, man. We pull up my brother's driveway, which is a long, long, you know, half a mile to get to his house. And right. then we step out of the car, and the first thing that slithers past in front of the car is a brown snake. Oh, and my no. friend, the keyboard player, says, See? <laughs> <laughs> he comes back in the car and he just won't get out. <laughs> oh, I don't blame him. That's, that's and and I'm looking at that stuff. flabbergasted going, I've yeah. never seen one. First time I've ever seen one. And he's there to see it. Yeah. Well, so consequently, you never believed uh, a word that I said. To right. Him, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, and I don't actually either. <laughs> All right. oh, it's a beautiful country, mate. And, uh, you know, everybody that goes there knows that. Well, thanks for doing this interview, Frank, and uh, being here on Boss Tone Radio. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's my pleasure, Paul. Thanks for having me. Hey, I want to thank again Frank Gambale for taking time out of his busy schedule and coming on the show. Underneath my voice here is Frank's 6.8 Shaker song, and just want to let you know you can find out cool info about cool boss gear at bossus.com. This is Paul Hansen on behalf of Boss and Boss Tone Radio, wishing you all the best and thanks again for listening. And remember, you can email us at askboss at bossus.com. See you later.